clock church is over <laughs> I'm just kidding well it's good to have you guys tonight and I'd like to thank again Shauna for getting all that together for this, this morning the after church for the uh, Thanksgiving dinner I man I thought we were gonna we weren't gonna did we have a we didn't have do did we have a lot of turkey still left over or we do okay so there's a lot of turkey still left just one pan so we still have some turkey so if people want to take it home, you know, that's the best sleep medicine this time of year. What, what is that? Uh, there's, a, there's something that, what is it called? I forgot the name, but it, it releases a, an enzyme that makes you sleepy. That's probably why I wanted to take a nap this afternoon. But, uh, all right, real quick, just a couple of announcements. Just remember, next Sunday night, because of Thanksgiving, we will not have service next Sunday night. Just want to remind you about that. And that's so that families can travel and, and see, see people and stuff like that. So um, <clears throat> then, uh, again, we won't have Wednesday night service either because that's the day before Thanksgiving. So um, I don't think I have any other announcements other than just that. So would you please stand as we get ready? Huh? Tuesday is heart to heart. Thank you for reminding me. I didn't do a lot of announcements this morning because we, uh, we had a lot going on. So, all right, would you please stand? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this evening. We, uh, we again pray for all those that are sick within the church and, and within our community. As we prayed this morning, it's going around. God, we praise you for that family that rededicated their lives to you this morning. We, that's what it's about. It's about the kingdom. It's about you, Jesus. So we give you the glory. We give you the honor for what you did. Now, Lord, as we enter into worship, as that one song says, we, we, you are, we are a friend of God. You're our friend, Lord. You no longer call us servants. You call us friends. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I is it true that you are thinking of me how you love me it's amazing sing that again who am i who am i that you are mindful of me that you hear me when i call is it true that you are thinking of me 
this morning about there's no condemnation and that the enemy doesn't have control unless we give it to him unless we listen to what he says but if we speak the scripture back to him that there is no condemnation in God that'll strengthen ourselves and remind ourselves that unless we give it to him he can't take it from us Father we pray tonight for strength God in the name of Jesus, God, to fight the devil and those thoughts of condemnation that come to mind, God. And they come to all of us. That you'll give us strength, God, and remind us, Lord, that we belong to you. Remind us of our destiny, God. Give me vision 
say things like you do and God I look to you you're where my help comes from give me wisdom you know just what to do That very word, hallelujah, means to praise the Lord. 
So, Lord, we praise you right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to your name, Father. Hallelujah to you, Jesus. We honor you. We praise you. We lift up your name. There's no other name. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, let us sing to you with all of our strength, reminding ourselves that you are our shield, the tower that we run to, and our refuge. So, Father, we praise you, we glorify you, we honor you, we lift you up tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I hope everybody's had a good day, good Sunday, and uh, I've got looks on, on our, do you have a testimony? Do you have one? Okay, okay. I have a testimony. I ate turkey and it made me sleep. <laughs> well, it's good to have everybody tonight. Uh, again, did you guys have a good Sunday afternoon? And uh, how many of you guys took a nap? <laughs> Most of us, right? <laughs> um, can you guys get my notes up? Thank you. Just a minute here. Is it up there? Okay. Oh, we, we're waiting a second. There we go. All right. So let me go back here for a second. There should be a there should be a a, a, a title message there. Do you got it? There we go. Okay. It didn't come up there. Sorry about that. All right, so last week we looked at, uh, we're, we're in Faith in Motion, part 10, uh, James chapter 4, verses 11 through 17. We, we looked at getting rid of slander and bragging and get God's plan. And, uh, you know, again, get rid of slander, gossip, talking about other people, bragging, boasting about uh sin. Basically, that's what they were boasting about. They were boasting about what they were saying about other people. And then get God's plan. And so we're picking up where we left off last week, which is, I'm going to go real quick through this, get rid of slander, get God's plan. Uh, before we get into reading, just let me go through this for a second. The first step in knowing what God's will is to live right before him, the Lord, and renew your mind. Remember we talked about that last week? Renew your mind. Get right before the Lord and renew your mind. Second, ask God. Uh, third, submit your, your will to his will. Number four, listen to the Holy Spirit. And finally, wait for confirmation. And that's where we ended last week, was wait for confirmation. So uh, we, we were talking about Paul and Agabus, and we were looking at a great example. So if you, you have your Bibles, we will get to James here in a minute. Go with me to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And then we're going to, after we pr- uh, uh, read this, we're going to pray. <clears throat> Acts chapter 11, we're going to look in verses 27 and 28, and then we're going to jump over to Acts 21, verses 7 through 14. So Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 28. It says, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. So he predicted a famine. And, and, he, and, and, and that came to pass. 
And so here he is, he's a prophet. Now prophets are still for today. But let me, I've always thrown uh, seeds of caution towards you. Be careful who you listen to and judge them according to the word of God. Does that make sense? So don't listen to everything you hear and take it to heart. Judge it according to the word of God. And God will always confirm if it's from him. So we, there's a lot of false prophets today. I'm not going to name them. That's between them and the Lord. But be very careful about that. But the prophetic is biblical, and it is in the church. Um, and we need to operate that. That's a gifting that we need within the body of Christ, the prophetic word. Um, everybody understands what prophetic means, right? Uh, prophetic uh, means to foretell or tell something of the future that's going to happen. I believe David Wilkerson was prophetic. David Wilkerson spoke prophetic words, and a lot of them have come to pass. All right, let's go over to Acts 21. So now you know who this Agabus is. Acts 21, verses 7 through 14. <clears throat> Acts 21, verses 7 through 14. Now understand this is uh, uh, the Apostle Paul. He's... He's with, uh, he, uh, says, it says in verse 7, I'm going to start in verse 7. It says, we continued our voyage from Tyra and landed at Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. You guys remember Philip, the evangelist? <clears throat> he had four unmarried daughters who did what? They prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we, had the people, we and the people were there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. <laughs> I love the Apostle Paul. Now the Lord said that he would suffer for him. And the Apostle Paul believed that, that he was supposed to go to Jerusalem. And so here this man, Agabus, who's prophetic, spoke something into his life. Now let's pray real quick. Father, as we study this tonight about confirmation, God, I pray that you would give us understanding like we've never had it before. God, I pray that you would begin to use the prophetic in our life. You can do that. I pray, Lord, that we would listen to it, but also give us discerning spirits to know what is from you and what is not. Lord, we go to the Word and we judge those prophecies. And Father, I pray as your vessel tonight, just speak through me what you want to say uh, and make it clear. I get out of the way so your spirit can speak. Again, not with the eloquence uh, of man, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Again, open up our ears to hear and listen to what your Spirit says tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we looked at the different ways of knowing God's will. We got to ask, right? First thing, God, I got to ask. Got to be right with God. Uh, you got to get your mind renewed to know what His will is. Remember, looked at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, it says, uh, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Remember, we looked at that last week. So uh, we looked at uh, uh, listening to the Holy Spirit. 
Then there's the prophetic where God will confirm what his will is for your life. Now let's go over to James and the scripture that we're in is James chapter 4 verses 13 verses 13 through 17. He says, now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business or make money. While you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So that's the scripture that we're using. I probably should have started with that scripture so that I'm not bouncing around and you guys are going, where's pastor going tonight? Sometimes I get it in my mind where I want to go and then my brain takes me in a different direction. Anybody ever do that before? But here in this, we, I wanted to look at Agabus because Agabus was a beautiful picture. God will confirm to you what his plan is for your life. And listen, again, I've shared with you, God has a plan for our life till the time that we take our last breath or until the trumpet blows, either way, right? So he's got a plan for each of us. He will direct you and guide you and do certain things in your life. He'll put you in strategic places. He will put you in strategic areas to reach whoever needs to be reached in that community. You're here for a purpose. You're not here just to come here on Sunday morning or Sunday night. You're here for a purpose. You are a part of God's plan. I want to, I want to share that with you again. You and I have the privilege of working with Jesus. He gives us the privilege to work with him. When it's put that way, that's cool. I get to work with my daddy, right? Abba, Father, I get to work with him. And he goes, oh, by the way, my son's going to help you along in this. So God has put each of us purposely where we're at. And so when it comes to God's will, we need to know, okay, God, what is your will for my life? How many of you guys are still asking that question? Come on. When I get older, I'm going to do this, right? You know, my kids, my kids, I'm sure some of you guys had that. The other night, I asked my daughter, what are you going to be? I don't know. I, I, want to, I want to do this. I want to be, she wants to be one of those, uh, you know, uh, circus, uh, uh, you know, the people that jump and uh, tram, trampezes or whatever. Did I get it right? Tram, hey, we can have fun on Sunday nights. This is relaxed. A, a tram, did I get that right, trampezes? Okay, thank you. I'm so glad that, my language, I can write up a whole dictionary of my own words. She wants to do that. And I said, well, Natalie, that's great, but how are you going to make a living? Oh, I'll make a living. And she's always got a good comeback. She goes, you know those people that are on TV, the circus delay? Well, they make good money. It's, I pray that God has something else in store for her. But, you know, we can still dream with God. But the Bible says many are the, man, the plans of a man's heart, but God determines his steps. It's okay to plan, but God determines our steps. God still has a plan for each of us, no matter how long we're here. And, and so that's an encouragement that God still wants to use us. God doesn't look at your age. He doesn't look at how young you are, how old you are. He still wants to use you. You look in the Old Testament. I've shared this before, but how old was Moses when God used him? He was 80 years old. Abraham was 75 when God called him. So you look at some of the people in the Old Testament and God used them when they were older. So God still wants to use us. 
And I'm not picking on any one person, so don't, I'm not telling you you're old. You understand that, right? <laughs> that, that's, it's good to have fun in church. The next thing he talks about is getting rid of bragging. So the first one, get rid of slander. And then he says, get God's plan. I kind of put it backwards on the, on the title. And then get rid of bragging. James declares to the people to stop bragging. How many of you guys like braggers? They're annoying, aren't they? It's all about them and how good they are. So look at verse 16. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Now the idea is that these people think, well, I've got enough money, I've got enough time, I can go and do what I want when I want to do it. And so he says, don't brag about that. Who's in charge of our life anyways? The Lord. So what were the people bragging about? Now, he says they were bragging about their decisions that they had made for their life, and they did this without asking God what his thoughts were about their plans. It is nothing but sheer arrogance that makes us think that we can live and move and have our being independent of God. This boastful arrogance is the essence of sin, a proud independence, the root of all sin, as was the case with Lucifer and Adam. So basically they were saying, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Guys, if it's the Lord's will, you will do this or do that. And as believers, we need to surrender to the will of the Lord. God, what is your plan? I shared in Sunday school this morning, but just before COVID hit, you know that now the church that we had in Upton, the numbers did great. The numbers took off. There were, you know, and it's not based on numbers, but pastors look at that. People in the church look at numbers. Come on, right? And so the numbers did great in Upton. We went to Abernathy. This church was out in the woods. Wonderful people. I love that church. Love those people. It's out in the woods. There was no centralized bank or gas station. So we averaged around 60 to 52 people the whole time that we were there. About a year before COVID hit, I was out walking and I was praying. And the Lord said to me, will you be faithful if it's just 25? And I said, Lord, that'll be hard, but I'll be faithful. Every time I went out and walked, he would say that. Will you be faithful if it's just 25? And then he would say, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Protect my sheep. A year later, COVID hit. For two months, well, for one month, most of us were all shut down, right? That's when I built my daughter's a treehouse. But after that, our attendance was half of what it was. And you know where it was? 25. Sometimes we get up to 26 or 27, but it's 25. God will take care of you and he will prepare you for what is ahead. The main key is faithfulness to God's will, not ours. We need to ask God, God, is this your plan? Maybe it's a business. God, I've got this business I'm starting up. Is it your will for me to do this? Or, or maybe it's a direction. God, I want to move here. Is it your will for me to move here? We got to remember that we don't belong to ourselves anymore. When we got saved, we surrendered to him. We surrendered to his direction, his guidance for our life. So they were boasting and bragging about that, which goes back again to Lucifer and Adam. We looked at Babylon. Remember, we looked at, uh, we looked at uh, and I think this was on Wednesday night, but we were looking at 
the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And you can find him in Isaiah 14, and he's, he's mentioned there right with Lucifer. It goes back to pride. Pride says, I'm in charge. Anybody have one of those kids that think they're in charge and they realize mom and dad's really in charge? When you take something from them, or that's God. God will get our attention. I want to read this just one more time. It's nothing but sheer arrogance that makes us think that we can live and move and have our being independent of God. This is boastful arrogance is the essence of sin. So that's what James is dealing with in this very passage. <clears throat> James says when we, when we, I don't know what, when I, how I messed that one up. When we know what, we, what is good, we are supposed to do, but do not, do not I'm going to read it from the scripture. Boy, I messed that one up. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it does what? Sins. I don't know what I was thinking when I typed that one up. <clears throat> the key for any believer is to submit to God's will and resist the enemy's temptation to do things our own way. Submit yourselves, James 4, 7, then to God resist the devil and he will do what? Flee from you. Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in what? Heaven. You've seen a pattern here. It's not our will, but whose will? God's will. The root of bragging and boasting again is what? Pride. You may not think you're boasting, but if you say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that without asking God, that's bragging. That's pride. And God hates what? Pride. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many of you guys want God to oppose you? So you start going in the wrong direction. You make a decision. Thankfully, God is good, right? He will start tapping you on the shoulder. He'll start getting your attention. Don't do this. This is wrong. I did that with our dog. <clears throat> I'm going to share this about our dog. We finally, we just got rid of not too long ago. And it, you know, God was trying to uh, 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 probably keep us from a lot of heartache. We had gotten a dog during COVID. We wanted a dog before COVID. So we weren't one of those people that was a bandwagon. We just wanted a dog. We had mountain lions out in Washington State. And coyotes, so I thought, man, a dog would be great. The only problem is, in ministry, you travel a lot for ministry, district functions and sectional meetings. And we just went to a, a minister's retreat. So leaving a dog or finding somebody to dog sit is very difficult. So that fell through the first dog. Well, I thought, I'll get another dog. So I got a dog. That one fell through. That one tried to bite me. I thought, well, that dog's not saying, so we took it back. The next dog we got had problems so bad that we had to take it back. We, thankfully, we got our money back. You think I would have got it by then, right? That God just says you're not supposed to be a dog people. Some of you are cat people, right? A cat, you can leave cat litter box. You can leave food and leave them for a few weeks, and they're fine. <laughs> we, we went on a trip one time, came back, and we found dead mice. They killed mice. Praise God. They got an extra meal. So you think I would have got this, but we decided to, we were at Walmart. Stacy doesn't like animals. My wife just, she don't like the hair. She don't like the smell. She just doesn't, she grew up with a lot of animals. She doesn't like them. That's just who she is. Doesn't mean she doesn't, 
She just doesn't want animals. Let me put it that way. She likes animals, but she doesn't want to have them. Does that make sense? So we're at Walmart, and there's a lady that we'd met before. Her husband was a, he's actually a pastor, retired pastor, and he was a professor at a seminary. And, and they were getting ready to move, and they, they were a breeders of dogs. Well, they had this puppy there, and I come up, and my girls are, oh, please, Dad, please, Dad, can we get a puppy? Can we get a puppy? And it's the first time my wife said, can we get a puppy? Can we, can we? I really feel good about this one. And I went, well, wait a second, let me go walk and pray. I really wasn't praying. I was just like, how am I going to handle this? I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do on this one? It really wasn't a prayer, but I kept getting an uneasy feeling in my spirit about it. I didn't feel right about it. But because I wanted to please my kids and my wife, I got the dog. A month later, she fell down the steps and injured her growth plate cost us $1,300. And finally got that bill paid off. Finally, we found somebody that would take the dog, and she went to a good home. We, wouldn't, we, we weren't just going to give her away, but she became a, a problem. She was trying to kill our cats. Uh, she would literally throw them up against the refrigerator. I mean, it was just crazy. So finally, we were able to get rid of her, but it still cost me another $300 to get her fixed. And that's because I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit when he told me no. And it cost me. And we will have to live with our consequences when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit. In a sense, you could say that I was boasting and bragging and being proud because I didn't want to do it God's way. I wanted to do it my way. And be very careful not to please man. Sometimes when you do things that God wants you to do, people will go against you. You have to make a decision. Do I want people to like me and approve of my decision or do I want God to bless me and approve of my decision? There are times in your life when you make a decision for God that people are not going to be happy about it. So you need to make a decision. Who do I want to please? And God doesn't want us to be men pleasers. He wants us to be God pleasers. So God opposes the proud. We don't want God to oppose us. But he gives favor or grace to the humble. Humility says, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. God, I don't know what you're going to do in my life, but I trust you. I think of Faith when she shared a few weeks ago how God called her into the mission field. She didn't know how it was going to work out, but it did. God worked it out for her because she trusted him. It takes humility to say, God, I don't have the answers, but you do, and I'm going to trust you for it. I don't think I have any more slides. Let's go over here to another passage. Go with me back to Romans chapter 12. I want to look at that one. I want to look at the first verse in here before we look back at the second verse about God's will. <clears throat> Remember, we're talking about God's will, seeking his will for our life. We often forget the first verse in this passage. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you. Now the urge means do this. It's trying to get your attention. Make sure you pay attention to this. 
brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living what? Sacrifices. Living means continually offering yourself to the Lord as a sacrifice. Jesus says, if you want to be his disciple, you have to pick up your cross daily and follow him. Daily means death to your plans, death to yourself, death to what you want and what you desire. Do you get that? Daily. Daily to the flesh. Daily to the things that you want to do. How many of you guys have ever been interrupted somewhere? You're, you're on a trip. You're going somewhere. you got to be somewhere, and you get interrupted. Somebody interrupts you. Maybe it's God's purpose to put that person in your life that day. Some interruptions are God-planned interruptions. Was Jesus interrupted? Remember when he went to Lazarus' tomb and he was interrupted? You guys remember that? God's interruptions are there for a purpose and a reason. I hope I'm not, I'm keeping everybody tonight because it's, it's getting really quiet in here. I hope I don't want to put anybody to sleep tonight. He says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now get this, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The best form of worship in our life is to offer ourselves to God and his plans and his will. God, again, it's not my plans, but your plans. I think of the pastor that was, had pastored the church before I did at Abernathy, John Blair. I didn't get his permission to say this, but I'm going to say it. He had been pastoring the church for about five years, and, and uh, that morning, the morning of, God spoke to him, says, I want you to resign your church and go to Scotland as a missionary. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. Could you imagine that? I'm so thankful. Lord, please don't ever do that to me. But he, he, he said, God, it was so strong. So he stands up there. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't contact the board. He didn't talk to anybody. God told him to do that. So he stands up there and he goes, well, God's told me that he's called me to be a missionary to Scotland and I'm resigning the church today. Could you imagine what, how they felt? The next day he gets a call from the general council of, I think it's Great Britain, that greater area, and said, we would like you to come over here as a missionary to Scotland. The next day, you talk about faith. And he ended up going over to Scotland as a missionary. God will interrupt our plans for his plans. He may be calling some of you to be a missionary. Who knows? You want to go to Africa? <laughs> Brother Black, the, you know that old saying, if you say no, he usually calls you. <laughs> I'm teasing you. He, well, he may. You never know. I mean, God's God. I'm using that as an expression that we need to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. God, you do what you want to do in my life. You send me where you want me to go. You do what you want to do. Because it's holy and pleasing to God. And that is your greatest spiritual act of worship. We came in here and we worship tonight. But your greatest spiritual act of worship is surrender to the Lord. His plans. His direction for your life. Then he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Those two go together. Offer your bodies as sacrifice. Don't live in the world. Don't be like the world. You live in it, but don't be like the world. And, and renew your mind according to God's word. And the Holy Spirit will work with the word of God to get your attention. He will. Obedience is the key, guys. Faith and obedience. You have faith, you're going to obey, right? Because you love him, not because you have to. He says right here, God's will is by having a renewed mind and living a transformed life in Christ, we are able to test, prove, and affirm that God's will is good, desirable, and perfect. Whereas Satan slanders God's will as being not good, undesirable, or imperfect, transformed believers know and embrace God's will as the highest and best way of life. So God still has a will for each of you tonight. He does. He's not done with his will for your life. He's got it all planned out. It says he knows the number of your days. Go with me to Psalm 139. Remember, I preached on this a few weeks ago. Look at verse 16. Psalm 139, verse 16. He says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God has your beginning from your end written down in the book even before you were born. I think that's cool. He went, okay. I'm going to make this guy short. He's going to talk a lot. I'm going to give him abilities to run equipment. These are the abilities he won't have, but I'm going to give him these abilities. And you can put your name there, whatever it is that God's given you abilities. He's got everything written down. He knows the last day we're going to take our last breath. I really pray that all of us here are going to be the ones that hear the trumpet call. I say that every Sunday and Sunday night, because one of these days it's going to happen. Everything's blowing up in the Middle East, and I'm going, wow, the Bible's coming to life. Exciting days. As they say, inquiring minds want to know, right? We want to know when that time's going to be, when we're going to out of here. But all the days ordained for me were written in your book. God must have a book with our names in it and what he's going to do with it. Now, I know there's a Lamb's Book of Life, but he's got a, it says there's books. God's got all kinds of books. And he's got a book that has our life in it. He knows exactly where we're going to be. He knew that you would move here or you would live here or where you'd grow up. He knew what influences you would have, what people you would be around and, and, and who you could influence. That was God. God has it all ordained. I can't wait to go back and watch the movie of my life. And I'll be saying, okay, God, cut that part out, but keep this one. God has got a plan. Okay, go with me to Exodus chapter 3. So Exodus chapter 3. How many of you guys know this story? Moses. Now Moses had killed what? He killed his slave. 
buried him in the sand, didn't he? When he fled into the wilderness, he was 40 years old. 40. Six years younger than what I am now. 40 years old. Look at verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Let me stop. Here he is. For 40, he's 40 years old. He wanders in the desert. And now he's been a shepherd for 40 years. He's been doing some kind of business. He's probably thinking of retirement, right? Come on, he's 80 years old. He wants to retire, right? I'm going to retire as a shepherd. You're in Midian. And he has an aha moment with God. I've shared with you my friend Steve Shoup, who pastors. He's a missionary up in the Northwest Ministry Network. He had just retired. He was getting ready to retire. And God decided to tell him to adopt some kids. The empty nest was already had happened in his life. And now God says, oh, by the way, I'm going to bring in some more kids. You can leave off into the nest later on. I don't even know if that made sense, but go on. So here he is. He's tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, when he sees this bush on fire, but it's not consumed. God knows exactly how to get his attention. He knows how to get your attention. He knows you personally. He knows what makes you tick. He knows exactly how to get your attention. Some of us, he has to really hit hard to get our attention. Look at, look at Paul when God called the apostle Paul. He was bent on destroying the Christians. He was headed to Damascus to put them in prison. And yet God knocked him. We don't know if he was on a horse. The scripture doesn't say. But I, I would think if he was traveling that far, he would probably be on a horse. So I've always said God knocked him off his high horse. And God got his attention. Well, that's with Moses. God knows exactly. He's probably an inquisitive man. He wants to figure out things. He sees something. Oh, by the way, why is that bush on fire but it's not consumed? Hey, that's pretty cool. I'm going to go check it out, right? For me, it'd be a nice hot rod driving by, you know, with flames on the side with a big motor and, you know, all that good stuff. So he goes over there, and then God calls him. And then God says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Remember, he had been weaned by his mother the first part of his life. So he knew who the God of Jacob was. Verse 7, the Lord said, I indeed have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to re rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Me? Really? Some of you might be going, me? Really? And God's saying, yeah, you. 
I, I picked you for this job. If you're not doing work for the Lord, God has jobs for you to do. I can help you find that. Ephesians 4.11, my job is to equip you. There are tests you can actually take to find out where your gifting is, and I'm telling you, they're pretty accurate. So here he is. He calls him. Look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, there's that but. How many of you guys do? But God, me, why? Who am I? That's a good place to be, though, because we need to get to a point where we say, God, who am I? I'm nothing without you. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, you understand, he probably felt like a failure because 40 years earlier, what did he do? He tried to deliver his people, but he did it in his own strength. Remember the two Hebrews that were fighting? And I think the, the Egyptian was beating the one, and he buried him in the sand. I probably got that wrong. It's been a while since I've read that, so please don't beat me up on it. And then it says in verse 12, And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So Moses is called to go deliver God's people. Now, God may be not be calling you to go do some extravagant things, but God's calling every single one of us to preach the gospel. Do you know that's a command? That's not, a, that's not a, 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 a maybe. It's a command. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, right? Preach the good news, making disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's called all of us to preach the gospel. Even if you're not skilled, God can use you to speak. So if you're saying tonight, but pastor, I'm not like you. I can't talk a lot. I don't know what scriptures to use. Let's go on a little bit. And, and so there's no excuse, okay? Ready? Verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of our fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has, done, has been done to you in Egypt. I have promised to bring you out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, uh, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has, meet, has met with us. Let us make take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stru stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all wonders, and I will perform among them after he will let you go. And then he goes on to talk about how Moses is saved. But look at chapter 4. Moses answers, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? The Lord did not appear to you. And God shows him a staff, and then he shows him the leper's hand. Remember that? And then keep going. I, I want to go a little bit farther. Look at this. Look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech 
and of what? Tongue. I bring all that up. I went into all that because God, you, you may feel overwhelmed of what God wants you to do or what God's telling you to do. Some of you are like, I don't even know what to do. Ask God. God will show you what to do. And, and, and it may seem overwhelming, but God will give you the plans. He'll give you the desire. He'll drop it in you. He'll teach you. He'll show you. Do you know what my first sermon was? You know, God taught me how to get a sermon together. I didn't learn in seminary. I didn't learn in college. I took a speech class at the college on bass. I'd even forgot how to get all that stuff together in high school. I was one of those kids that did good in wood shop and metal shop, and that's how I got my A's. I'm serious. First time I lettered in A's in high school was through metal shop and wood shop. So I, I take this class in, in college, and we had to do an outline form. Unbeknownst to me, did you know 90% of pastors use an outline form points system when they get their sermons together? So my first sermon, I did this point system. I preached it in my class. Then I was asked to preach at church. I thought revival was going to break out. I'm serious. God will take what he will teach you, he will show you, he will direct you on what you need to do. And I don't know what your calling is. My calling's different than yours. But they're all important for the kingdom of God. Why am I preaching on this tonight? Because it has everything to do with the will of the Father. Goes back to James. God has a will and a plan for each of us. But we need to make sure that it lines up with His will. His will is, is the best way. If we're doing it our way or we're do, making decisions without God's approval, then that's, that's dangerous. I'm talking about big decisions. Now, choosing what you're going to wear, is, you don't need God's will for that. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase that. You don't go into your closet every morning and ask God, God, what should I wear today? You just put those clothes on. There's certain things that God has adapted us, have given us knowledge and, and give us an understanding and wisdom to use. But there's those big decisions that God says, have you asked me about it? Is this all making sense tonight? Some of you, again, you know, I don't know what your situation is. But God still has a plan and a purpose no matter how old or young you are. Some of the biggest miracles I saw as a kid were from little kids in the church. Some of the greatest moves of God, God used little kids to do it. I was watching CBN. Anybody ever watched the 700 Club before? There was a big fire probably in the early 2000s in Colorado Springs. And the children's pastor's home was getting ready to be engulfed by flames. So they had all the kids pray. When they came by, they said the flames were over the top of the house and everything. When the flames were all gone, the house was not even touched. You could still see the the metal uh, lamp that was in the front yard had been melted down to the ground. Uh, the, the neighbor's siding, which was only like about the distance between, was all melted, but their house was untouched. Their grass wasn't even burnt. God put a protection over that house. God can use you to reach this community. As I was listening to J.D. Frogton, I love what he said. It was exactly what I've been saying. Sheep get sheep. 
This church grows because God wants to use you to get other sheep. My job is to equip you to do works of the ministry. So your job is to go out and go, oh, by the way, hey, come here. We got a great church. Come over here and check it out. And Jesus is here. If they don't know Jesus, say, hey, come on. Where do you go to church at? I had a meeting with a couple pastors last Tuesday. Had breakfast. We have this meeting, pastors group we meet now. I love it. And our waitress was there. She's not here yet, but I, I, I said, hey, what church do you go to? Well, I don't go to church. I said, well, there's three churches you can go to. There's three churches here that you can go to. There's a church over here and a church there or this church. It's not about whose church, but if you're a Bible-believing church, send them there. Get them saved, and hey, if they get a disciple somewhere else, praise the Lord. You get them in the kingdom. I don't know why God wants me to speak about this tonight, but evidently he needs you guys to know that. This is a team effort. We're all here to do it together. You can go to Walmart with me one day. We'll go to Walmart, and we'll start witnessing to people. It's fun. Sometimes I get a little annoying sometimes. My, my, my wife will leave me. The kids will leave me. My, my daughter got annoyed the other day with me. But that's what it's about. It's about the kingdom. Time is short, guys. I, don't, I, really, I honestly do believe, and I don't have it all together. Some of you guys have more biblical knowledge than I do and have lived longer than I have. And you've, you've, you've gone through more than I have. But I honestly do believe Jesus is at the door. I do. I think he's at the door. I think we're at the end of that age. I think Jesus is coming back soon. I think we have family and friends that need Jesus, that need to hear the gospel. You know, uh, we have you know, people out here in the community that need the Lord. And, and as many people as we can talk to about Jesus. Because time is short. One of these days, we're not going to have another time. You know? And I don't want to waste my talents. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful what? Servant. It's not about making ourselves look good. It's not about making me look good or you guys. It's about making Jesus look good. All right? All right. Well, God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we pray the night. I pray, the Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, if I went off on a lot of tangents tonight. But, Lord, it's the truth. You called Moses. You're calling us. Lord, in, in the book of James, Lord, we want to do your will, not ours. That's your word, Father. Help us to get in line with your will for our life. And Lord, if we're off a little bit, help us to get back onto it. Help us, Lord, to use our gifts and abilities to build up the body of believers, to build up the kingdom, to bring in the lost. And I just pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, you begin to speak to everybody in this, on this Sunday night. That, Lord, you'll begin to open up doors for them, divine appointments. Begin to move and give them words of knowledge and prophetic words and gifts of healing and laying on of hands. And, and Lord, even, even uh, tongues and interpretation. All those giftings that are mentioned in there. Lord, I pray that you would begin to pour them out. You said in the last days you'd pour out your spirit on all people. God, pour that out on us right now tonight. I pray for testimonies to happen. God, in all of our lives this week, I pray for testimonies. Lord, begin to speak to each person here tonight and those listening online. God, begin to speak to them about what you're calling them to do. That our identity's in you, but you also call us to do stuff for your kingdom. And I pray that right now, as we leave tonight, we're entering our mission field. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Thank you for being here tonight. Love you guys. There's honey.